So who enjoys winning? Who enjoys winning? Who enjoys losing? Anybody that doesn't enjoy winning? Like nobody's, yeah, Joram's like, yes, losing is me. It's always funny, right? None of us want to admit to being competitive, but there's not too many of us that enjoy losing. So how many of you have met my son, Archer? Do any of you know how competitive he is? I don't know where he gets it from is, is the first thing. But this kid is competitive with everything. He's competitive with brushing his teeth. We just took family photos with Matt. He wants to know, was his photo the best? This kid, he wants to literally be the best. We can't walk to the car at any single piece of time, and he touches it first, and he's like, he wins. He is so competitive with soccer, with everything. Um, He'll choose when we, do you know what Bananagrams is? Bananagrams is a really fun kind of game. Like, it's like the new Scrabble, but it's like a more fast-paced version of it. he will selectively choose who he knows to be best at this game and partner with them. This kid has, he, he does not like to lose. When, when we jump on the trampoline, it, it always begins like a great idea, except when it's just one of the, I usually let him win in a lot of places. Just when we get on the trampoline, something comes over me where I never let him win whatever games we're playing. And I'll up him in his flips. And he, so he, he leaves mad. And then the last game to get off of the trampoline is whoever can get off the fastest wins that little game. And like I never let him get off. So the trampolines, it's good that we've sold it. It's good that it's not coming with us. But Archer is so competitive and he has such a desire to win. But you can all recognize a lot of unhealthy sides of the competitive nature in some of that. But I also don't want us to miss the gold that is inside of that. It, it's not just a nice idea, but it comes straight out of 1 Corinthians 9.24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. And this morning, the last little encouragement that I want to leave you with is this idea of when you run, you're going to be running anyway, so run to win. Run to win. We need to be a people that have this in our spirit, that we're not just here to be a part of the race, but that we're running to win. But I I want to, the, the three major points that I have this morning are going to directly address, hopefully, the healthy side of the spirit. Because one of the problems with Archer winning is he will do anything he can to trample over whoever's in his way to win. And sometimes he's big enough now that he's hurting dad, and that's why I don't let him win, because he just hurt me too many times. So it's like, I got to show him. He gets his competitiveness from me. But we're not trying to step all over other people in our attempt to win. And that's what these three points I just want to encourage you with this morning. The first is this. Our race, and here's a paradigm shift immediately, because we're in a race and we need to run this race to win. But our race is to help those around us win. I want to shift the way that we're looking at our race. Because Honestly, one of the reasons this is on my spirit is it's too easy for us to disengage in the race. It's too easy for us to say, no, being competitive, I'm not trying to hurt other people. Yet we disengage and we cruise. But what does Scripture say? What does Paul encourage us here? Don't you know that you're in a race? Don't you know that you should run to win? Run to obtain the prize, another version says in Scripture. One of the things that in Archer's competitiveness that we've been forcibly trying to teach him is part of is if we can just switch this mentality of this point in him, that if Bennett can win, that means that you're winning sometimes. 
Bennett rarely wins in our house because Archer makes sure of it. And even when Bennett legitimately wins, Archer changes the rules so he hasn't won. But if Archer could understand that one part of his race is to see his brother win, he needs to put his energy, the same amount of ferocity, the same amount of indomitableness, which is not a word probably, but the same amount of fierceness in that he has in his competitive drive, God has put inside of him. And God instructs all of us, be we very meek and mild, to run your race to win. And the first point is your race to win is to help those around you win. I'm, I don't have time to go into it, but I recently heard such an amazing talk by the pastor of Harborside Church. Um, and, and it was just around what is the original Genesis mandate? Genesis 1.28 says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And he just broke down what, what these words specifically mean. And this is the original mandate that we received of kind of to all-encompass humanity. Why are we here and what are we to do? And one of the big parts of this was fruitfulness, was multiplying, was seeing something come to fruition from seed form. And he talks a lot about seeds and the fruits and all those kinds of things. But he says, go and multiply and fill the earth. And what, what this, if you dial it down, what this means is you want to see things that have potential, realize their potential. There is a great deep need in the core of every single one of us to see other people fulfill and realize their potential and their destiny. There is in the original Genesis mandate, but this is where if I can leave anything with is to start stoking the fires that we must start running this race to win, but that race is not to trample over people, it's to see their destinies revealed. We must start to get the passion that Rachel exudes for these children because Rachel alone cannot release people into their destiny. It is a community as a whole. When you start to rub up against people in the cafe and they've got that same thing and you go down the road and you see, because if you go anywhere in Upper Hutt, you're going to see somebody that you know. It's just the rule of living here. When you run up against them, you're going to realize that you're encouraged to step further into your God-given destiny. You're not in competition with them. You're in competition for them. But hear this, you are in a race. You do need to run in a way to obtain the prize. Too often we slander one another when we should be lifting one another up. Too often we go the wrong direction with what we're doing because we're feeling the inadequacies if we only realize that if Archer could relax and not get so sad when he loses because that to him to see his brother win and his dad because his dad needs to pick me up every now and then that there's something deep in there. Seed becomes reality. And I want to get a little bit specific with this as well, because this is such a passion of mine. I love how 1 Timothy 3.5 gets even more specific with this and says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? I, wanted, I had in my heart to just specifically, and I love that Rachel talked about family, We need to, before we stop, start trying to change those things far away from us, look at what God has put right in front of us. If we're wanting to see people and we're wanting to release the call of God and we're wanting to be in this race, can I encourage you that the family is truly one of the treasures? The family, I had this picture that if we would understand that, I, I wanted to put a picture up, but I couldn't find a good one in time. Have, have we seen The Incredibles? Yep. 
I, I have this prophetic picture that our families are literally like the Incredibles. And, but, but we're so much so, do you know in the story of the Incredibles, Bob Parr? In the first one, he's so wrapped up in him living his dream as a super is what they call them. But he misses the fact that his family around him is a family of supers is a family of people with God-given supernatural callings and destinies on their life. My encouragement to you this morning is to start at home with this race. Let a fire burn in your belly. And if you don't have kids in the home anymore, it, it, dynamics change. And it may be, it may be you know, if, if you're just retired and with your spouse, man, you're going to give that spouse everything. Watch out. Tomorrow morning, destiny's coming down that train, right? But can I encourage you, family is our first ministry intentionally. Family is designed by God in this way. And I love how specifically Paul again is encouraging Timothy. And he says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And the word church here, and I'm sure you've had, heard some wonderful story, wonderful studies on the word ecclesia. But ecclesia literally means God's called out ones. It's people that are called out. Notice how he's talking about family and church in the, same, in the same kind of breath of what you do. We need to start embracing our calling is not to correct the person that we're annoyed with. Our calling is to raise up the person that's in our own house that we've been ignoring. Our calling is to stop complaining about things that we shouldn't be and to start lifting up the people in our lives that we're often complaining about. We need a paradigm shift. The church is not here to attend church on Sunday mornings. The church is here to raise up warriors and worshipers and people that are going to change the very fabric of this world. We have to start to start taking this seriously and run as if we're going to win and not just run so we can get to our next holiday. And not just run so we can get to work at the end of the day. But we're running a race. You are in a race if you want to be or not. But I love this encouragement that our family is a mini representation of the church. How is your family going in terms of stepping into their God-given calling and identity? Put time in. Put energy in. I'll just have Rachel come up and cry so you feel it again. Family is our first ministry. We need to understand what our race is, and it's not for personal gain but it's to see others step into their God-given calling and destiny as called out ones for his kingdom. Running to win is not a sole act. Running to win is seeing and helping to release the potential in those around us. We must begin to appreciate the amazing gift of our natural families, of our church family, and of our upper hut family as we begin to see what God has entrusted us with our first ministry. Psalm 127.3 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. We need to understand that our competitive nature, and if you don't have that competitive nature, seek God about it, because he's the one saying run to win. The second thing, this is a hard one, and it's one of my favorite topics, not that I've overly learned it at times. I've preached a message that I'm just going to encapsulate again. It was a couple years ago. But the race is not won in our own strength. I can't encourage this enough because do you know how you know when the race is being run in your own strength? When the fruit becomes to be other than the fruit of the Spirit. 
when you, when you stop seeing love and when you stop seeing joy and when you stop seeing peace, when you stop seeing kindness, when you stop seeing goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, you know that it's starting to be run in your own strength. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is this encounter with Moses in the burning bush. It's one of my favorite things to, to, to think about. And you know the story. When Moses comes here, he has a destiny on his life to save a people group. And yet he's in the desert, and he's as far away from Egypt as he possibly could be. And I love when God approaches him, I love all of the excuses that Moses has and all of the things, and I've talked about it before, but I need to talk about it again because how many times did Israel go back to what they were doing before? We need reminding about these things. God calls Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And God calls you this morning with amazing giftings, with amazing talent, with amazing destiny, with amazing calling. And you don't have to make it saving a people group, but there is people that need saving through you in some way, shape, or form. And don't downplay it, because as soon as you downplay it, you downplay who God is. And God is here to save people. God is not here to build your own empire. That's why it's, it's not your race, it's his race. When we don't run the race in a way as to win, we're actually disrespecting God because it's his race, it's his mandate. It's not, it's not humility, it's false humility when you step away from pushing everything into it. Run in such a way as to win, as to win but it's not in your own strength. Hear what Moses says, who am I that I should go? God, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. And actually, in fact, I can't even talk in the past or even I've never been able to talk. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And then he finally finishes, God, please send somebody else. I love that he crosses the gamut. He starts blaming other people for what they did. The reason we're not stepping into our destiny is because of this person, this person, and this person. If they would just change. Actually, God, it's, it's my fault. I can't do it. Do you notice how God doesn't receive any of his complaints? And what does he say? His anger is kindled against Moses. And he says, get off your butt and get to Egypt because there is a call of God on your life. Church, there is a call of God on your lives. If I could deposit anything, it would be to stir and stoke the fires that are inside of you to not settle for anything less than God's best, which is point number three, but I'm so passionate about it. I have to share it now. Do not let yourself get in the way when you start to do it in your own strength and test the fruit of what is coming out. Do you have a sweet spirit or do you have a bitter spirit? And if you do, bring it to God. He's, he's merciful. He's gracious. But I love what the Lord's response to him is. He says, I am who I am. And he says, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me with you. And there's so much depth in this passage, and I'm not going to go into it today. But literally, when you say, I am, you are aligning yourself with who God is in that statement. I, I see too many Christians that act on behalf of God than, rad, than rather acting with God. You are not just his representative. He lives inside of you. You are the extension of his arm. You are the extension of his love. He has the ability to send angels down and love on people, right? But do you know who he chooses to love on people? Do you know most people are going to feel the love of God through your arms when you hug them? We, we have to stop divorcing ourselves from the call of God. 
because it doesn't leave. You are the extension. So when we're unkind, why do you think people have so many daddy issues today? Because their dads have been, been wrong. Why do you think they have a hard problem accepting God as the father? Because their father was not what he needed. Maximize that which God has given you, but it's not in your own strength. We must rest in the strength of who he is, not put blame on others, not rest in self-doubt. But rather, if we are to race to win, we must declare the I am. Declare the ever-present helper resides within us. His very spirit is inside us, and we are his representatives here. This world will be different because we, his chosen people, are here to make that difference through the power of the Holy Spirit who is in us. It is because he is with us. It is because the race is the one that he has set, not our own personal one. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 helps us kind of encapsulate this idea. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Church, we need to be a people that stops preying on people's weaknesses and starts celebrating that when we are weak, he is made strong. We have to relax in the vulnerability that comes when we feel weakest is when he is the most strong. We need to be a people that not in our own strength can we achieve what needs to happen because you can't do it. To see your family turn into the Incredibles, it's not going to be done in your own cleverness. It's not going to be done in your degree. It's not going to be done in your research. It's not going to be done through how disciplined you are. It's going to be through the spirit of the living God. But we must rest in this truth. When I am weak, he is strong. It is his mission, not our personal mission. Let us lift ourselves and one another up as we rest in his grace and his strength to run to win. The last point, which I already said, because I love it so much. Running to win is not me chasing Pete and seeing if I can pass him. Running to win is me chasing what God has for me. It's refusing to settle for even an iota less of what he has for me. We need to stop trying to beat anyone else or comparing to see how big their house is or how great their ministry is and saying, God, I want the best that you have for me. What do you have for me? And I'm not going to settle for less because I want to honor you with everything that you've given me. I love this story, and we're going to close very soon. It's Jacob, and he's about to have an encounter with an angel. The same night, Jacob arose, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the angel said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Do you hear the fervor that is in his spirit to receive the fullness of what God has for him? 
We need to see that our passion is released in this regard into going after what God has called us to be. I love, I did a little bit of just kind of research on this specific topic around what Israel means and why. And I just want to look a little bit at what this means and why it's so significant. Look at what Jacob, now known as Israel, received in this exchange through his refusing to relent, through his indomitable spirit. Israel, the name Israel physically means he strives or wrestles with God or God strives, wrestles. In our language, the common verb here is struggle, but the Hebrew uses a word that is specifically reserved for a certain action, the action of struggling with God. The BDB Theological Dictionary says this word struggle means to persist or persevere. And the Ha Theological Wordbook of the Old Testament believes this verb means to contend or have power. But a Hebrew audience would have viewed this verb as having to do with royalty, possibly concluding that Jacob didn't stand up to a celestial bully, but rather that the angels saw in Jacob a worthy national ruler. Hear that how you run your race determines the destiny that God can unlock in you and through you. That's huge. It's not turning up to chair to church on Sunday and filling the pew. It's not going out and serving in the community that's going to do it. It's not it's how you run your race. It's not turning up. You must shift out of neutral and go into first gear. And if you're already going really fast, it's going to rev really high and then you'll get some energy and just keep going for it. It it matters how you run your race. Too many Christians, we don't have a good example at different times in some of our cities because the Christians are not running their race to the fullest. They're not expressing, they're not realizing, they're not pushing into all that God has for them because they have not embraced the spirit of pushing through. They have not... They have not received because they're too cool or they're too tired or they're too whatever. But we must be like Jacob. We must push through convention. We must grab all that God has for us. There is no limitations except the ones that you set for yourself in going after all that God has for you. God doesn't accept you blaming other people. God doesn't accept you your own self-doubt because he believes in you too much. May we lift one another up to the place where we're releasing people into destiny and not tearing down. The problem with many of us in here and many Christians is that we don't really believe that we have that much to contribute. And if you could receive anything is to receive that you have the almighty God who created you in the womb before you were even born. And he didn't create crap. He didn't create a mess. He created something with potential. But we must contend for it. This is not whatever. This is not community. This is about purpose. This is about destiny. He's created you for community, but not without a purpose. He's created you to have community with a purpose, to see people come free. You hear my passion and you've heard my passion over the last five years. But if you remember anything, don't remember me. Remember how much power he has. This is not a joke. This is not an exercise. I could care less for religion. I care so much for Jesus, who cares so much for you, but we don't see the value that he has for us. We get stuck in sin because it fills a need in us that we're not filling with God. But it's too valuable to me. I don't want to go through life and see Archer and Bennett and Alexa and Angie and my mom and Bruce miss out on all that God has for them. 
my race, my passion is to fight for them. And I've fought for so many of you, whether you see it or not. But I fought for you, not for me, so that you can see everything that God is. I can't start naming names because I'll cry like Rachel. But receive this deposit of passion, if nothing else. Do not settle for anything less than God's best for you. Run the race to win. Run the race to win to the finish. So I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air. But Galatians 6, 9 finishes up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Our race is one to release others into their God-given assignment to win, to step fully into their destiny. Our race is two, to run to win, we must run in his strength, resting in his sufficient grace that covers our weakness. And three, we must run to win, to step fully into victory, we must contend for that which God has for us and not give up, not relent, but persist with a spirit that is running to win. Let's pray, and I'll just invite you, Pete, as I pray. Father, I pray that this place will be a place where barriers are knocked down, where people are not running to win. Father, I pray that you would put a deposit in the spirit of every single person here to fight through every preconceived idea they have about themselves or about other people, about myself, about the elders, about their neighbor who's sitting next to them. Jesus, knock it down so that we can achieve kingdom business here. Father, I speak for a release of your spirit in this church, Father God. Lord, that your purposes would be accomplished because it's not the purposes of man. It is your purposes. May we rest in your strength. May we rest in your grace because your grace is sufficient. Your love covers a multitude of sins. Father, may we rest in who you really are. Lord, may we lay ourselves down at the foot of your cross every day. But Jesus, I speak for an indomitable spirit to not let go until you bless us, to fight for the blessing that you have, to how we do it releases what you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Bless you, Jesse. Thank you, my brother. Give him a big hand, would you? We're going to miss that, aren't we? We're going to miss it. Jesse's been good been good to your impartation this morning. Thank you, my brother. And I know we're going to take that to heart. I know it's been the cry of your hearts on the day you landed, hadn't it? And uh, today we're stirred up yet again to be reminded that God's purpose and plan for us, you know, John 10 tells us that my sheep hear my voice. I call them by name and lead them out. And we want to be a people who are led out into everything that God has got for us. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that.